thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Joshua chapter 5, I'm going to read just a couple of verses, verses 10 through 12. Joshua chapter 5, follow along with me if you will. Now the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on that day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased. Say manna. Then the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna but they ate of the food of the land of Canaan that year. The title of the message today is Change Your Diet. Turn to someone and say, Change Your Diet. Not implying anything. Turn to someone on the other side, Change Your Diet. All right, I'm going to say that over and over and over again. We're at the time of the year uh, where there's a lot of discussion about diets. Is it true? January. Now, February, we probably will dismiss any discussion we ever had, but we're here in January. We talk about diets a lot. Uh, you'll notice the TV commercials that come out in January about the different programs that encourage you to do this diet or do that diet because they know that's the time of the year when people are thinking about diets. Individuals are thinking about it. They're discussing it with their friends. They're making agreements. Even I remembered as I was writing this down that an agreement that long time ago, I think it was back in, oh, I don't know, back in 1980 or something like that, when three of us, there was three men, three friends, that I don't, we were doing something around the church and we got into discussion and we made a wager on who would lose the most weight in the next month. And uh, it wasn't money, but it was a new suit that that person would get if they lost the, the most weight. Well, I don't think I won that one, but I can't remember the new suit anyway. Uh, but the reason we talk about diet is because you take a look at yourself and, and you realize, I've got to do something. <laughs> I've got to do something. Or, or you might not be feeling as well as you know you should be feeling. You're, you're tired, you have no energy, you're, you're not sleeping, so you you know, I, I need to change my diet, my eating habits. Or you might have been to the doctor and had a physical or a checkup and you had a blood test done and the blood work came back and eh, it's not the same as it was before. Your blood pressure is higher than it ought to be and then you realize, I've got to change my diet. Now, spiritually speaking, because, you know, there is a spiritual man, there's a spirit part of each and every one of us, but spiritual speaking, you take a look at yourself. You examine yourself, at the, especially at the beginning of this year as we look forward to the future, and, and you realize, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. If I'm honest, which I hope we'll be honest with one another and before God, uh, we realize there hasn't been much progress this past year. Matter of fact, there's been some reversals. And... Um, not that much happening. Uh, 
And when the doctor, the Holy Spirit, is speaking to our hearts through his word, uh, we're not responding the way we used to. We're lethargic. Uh, We lost kind of an appetite, and we realize it. We don't get as excited about the Word, and we're not on the edge of our seat maybe like we used to be at one time when we hear the Word and everything was new, everything was fresh, everything was transforming. We were moved by it. So the blood work comes back, (laughs) and it's not good. The pressures have gotten... Uh, you, they're very high, the stress level's high, you're tired, you lost your zeal, passion spiritually, and you realize you've got to change your diet. I've got to do something. I, I want to do something. So as we look at these groundbreaking messages and as we move forward into 2017, it, it's more than New Year's resolutions. I know the world's put that label on them, but I think it's important that we take a look, spiritually speaking at our lives, and where are we? Now, the book of Joshua gives us an account of God's people and how they've come to the land of Canaan. It's a a plot of land that God had promised them. Now, the underlying message of all of Joshua's chapter 1 through chapter 24, if you go back and read it, which is a great book to read, is that we should remember as you read the account of the moving into the land, that we should remember and never forget. And matter of fact, we should hang on to it as our hope today that God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. We see a promise coming to fruition. It was made 500 years prior than Joshua. 500 years to Abraham that the land would be inherited by the descendants of Abraham. That was a promise. That promise made the 500 years before to Joshua have been tested over and over and over again. Or maybe I'll use the word challenge. That prom- the promise made to Abraham about them moving into a land has been challenged over and over again. And every time God proves himself faithful because God is faithful. Now, you learn this. God is faithful. Respond to it then. Uh, that promise was in danger when Abraham was called upon to sacrifice his son Isaac. Uh, had no idea. He pr- prayed for Isaac. Isaac was to be his descendant. That's what the promise was to be handed on to. And now he's called to sacrifice him, but God is faithful. And what does God do? He provides a ram in the bush that would be the sacrifice instead of Isaac. So the promise lives. That promise is put in jeopardy when Esau wants to kill Jacob because the promise is to move on through Jacob. So here Esau wants to kill him, but God is faithful. And he transforms Jacob and the promise keeps on living. The promise is in jeopardy again when Joseph, the son of Jacob, is thrown into a pit by his brothers. But God is faithful, and God provides a way out. So he's taken from the pit, and where does he end up? In the palace. Why? Because God is faithful. Promise is in jeopardy again uh, when they're in the land of Egypt, and there arises a Pharaoh who doesn't know Joseph, and he doesn't. Won't have anything to do with his God. 
He ends up putting the children of Israel into slavery, but God is faithful, and God is working his plan, even though we don't know it. God is faithful. Once again, it's in jeopardy, this promise, when Pharaoh uh, is killing babies. The children of Israel, the population was getting greater than the Egyptians. There was fear to sit in on the Pharaoh. He sends word to the midwives that are helping deliver the babies. He said, I want you to drown all the babies, the male children, as they come out of the womb. So the population will cease. So Moses is one of those babies. Think about this. But Moses' parents, having a faith in God, took Moses, put him in a little boat, sends him down the river, and he ends up being adopted, and he's in Pharaoh's house. Why? Because God is faithful. Once again, Pharaoh promises to let them go after God had moved on them through the plagues, and when they get to the Red Sea, their backs are against the Red Sea, the armies are coming. Out of fear, they're crying out. But what? God is faithful. And he makes a way and he parts the Red Sea. Do you think they really thought God was going to do something like that? I don't think they had any idea. And that's the way it is with the walk with God. We don't know how God is going to do it, but we know that God is faithful. Promise once again is being challenged and in jeopardy. Uh, When they get to the promised land the first time, God has a desire to take them in, but because of their murmuring and complaining and doubting of God, uh, in unbelief, they're not able to go into the promised land, but God is faithful. And now, Joshua. And Joshua is going to be the one that's going to take him in. He's at the boundary of the promised land. And the, the only reason that he is there is because God is faithful. God has been faithful for 500 years up to Joshua, and he's going to remain faithful to him. See, no problem, no peril, no disobedience can challenge the promise that God has made. Remember that. Nothing can challenge or make that of no effect, the promise. Look at this verse, Romans chapter 4. It's a great verse, verse 20 and 21. It says, he, or speaking about Abraham, did not waver at the promises of God. He didn't waver. Being fully convinced, say convinced. I mean, he had a conviction. He, had a, he was convinced in his heart of hearts that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Because God is faithful. Now, let me take a, a little bit further, if you will, because I thought about this, and I thought, man, this is great. I need to throw it in here. Uh, the promises in jeopardy, fast forward hundreds of years up until the time of Jesus. Jesus is what? A promise, part of that promise being fulfilled of all of mankind that goes beyond what was promised to Israel, but the promise of all mankind that a Savior would be born but what happens? A decree goes out from Caesar to kill all the, the babies two years old, old and younger than that. But God is faithful. He sends an angel. He warns Joseph. Joseph takes Mary and, and uh, Jesus, and he flees down to Egypt, and they are protected as a result of it. One more step. Today, this very day, this very hour in which we live, do you realize that same promise made to Abraham is being challenged? 
A promise that God said that the children of Israel would inhabit a piece of property there over in the Middle East called the land of Israel, and yet it is being challenged today. But God is faithful. You see, the United States doesn't have the strength or the power or the wherewithal to stop the promises of God. And certainly the UN, which means united nothing, can do nothing to stop it. Although they might rant and rage and they might come together. And you realize it, folks, that it is in jeopardy today because even the United States abstained from a vote where they should have vetoed that vote. Why? Based on the Word of God. This is not a political thing we're talking about, folks. This is a biblical thing we're talking about. Cheryl and I spent several days in Washington last week. You know what we did? We went to our senators, saw both of our senators here in Colorado. We went to other senators, both Republicans and Democrats, because it's not a partisan thing. It's not a political thing. It's a Bible thing. God said they belong in that land. He made a promise to Abraham, and God is faithful. And it's going to come about. But that doesn't mean the challenge is not there. That doesn't mean that we're caught in between on that challenge sometimes. What are we going to believe? We're going to believe man. We're going to believe the media. We're going to believe popular opinion. Are we going to go back to the Word of God? This is what God says. And I'm going to stand on that above all things. Okay, back to our text. Our text now brings us to the point where not, children of Israel not only have come to the Jordan River, they have passed over the Jordan River Again, walking on dry ground over it. And they're in the plains of Jericho. Picture this. They haven't fought their first battle yet. They're getting ready to fight that first battle and move on into many more battles of taking the ground that God has for them. And here's what God says to them at this particular moment in the plains of Jericho. Then the manna, say manna, ceased. It stopped. The manna that they were receiving every day in the morning stopped. Now they're going to eat the produce of the land that they're moving into. No longer would they have manna. Now during their travels and all this journey that they take and all the travels that we make with the Lord in our journey, uh, God's going to take every opportunity which he did then to teach them something. That whole travel through the wilderness was teaching them something in spite of their disobedience, stiff-necked people, hard as they are, like many of us that are in this room here today, God is still faithful to his promise. And there were learning experiences. I should even go further and say hard experiences with God. A hard experience is this. It said, Deuteronomy says that God humbled them so he might know what was in their heart. How did he humble them? Their faith was challenged. They looked, and when they didn't have any bread or when they didn't have any water, they were challenged that particular moment because their heart. What were they going to do? Were they going to trust the God that had done so much or turn back? So as they move from Egypt to the land, from bondage to the promise, it's a story of preparation. What do you think about that word, Preparation. God's doing something in their hearts to prepare them for the promised land. God is doing something in our hearts to prepare us for the future. He really is. And let's, let's go further than that. You see, we're on the job training here in this life. And all the experiences we have with God are working something in us that we're going to take on into eternity. Because it doesn't end 
just at the end of this physical life. It goes on and on and on. If you're a believer, you'll live in eternity with God. Only God knows what he has prepared for us. So this subject of manna and God providing the manna, it was certainly very practical. They needed nourishment. They were out in the wilderness. They didn't have time to really plant and grow crops. So God, in a miraculous way, gave them what was called manna. We'll describe it in just a moment. It must be filled with nourishment, nutrients, that would sustain them every single day. So there were some great lessons. But one of the lessons, and very first one I would say, is the, the lesson that, that God is faithful daily. And let me emphasize that. God is faithful daily. Because we have a tendency to say, okay, well, God was faithful then. And we pick out an event, some majestic miracle moment in our lives. But see, God just doesn't move in those majestic miracle moments. He's faithful every day. Every day. Do you know how I know he's faithful every day? I'm here today. You're here today. Turn to someone and say, you're here today because God's faithful. Uh, well, you haven't got this yet. I know you haven't because you, you don't have the enthusiasm needed. That When you got up to this morning, God gave you your breath. God was faithful to sustain you to this day. I don't know how long you've been walking with the Lord, but look back. God is faithful. He's brought you through. Not just to see the miracles that happen from time to time. But daily, that's what the manna was, to remind that God supplies our daily needs. Every day we're going to have that bread. It shows up daily to show us that he's a God of the everyday. Now, manna, what is it? It's not a name particularly, but it's, it's a question. Because when they saw it for the first time, they walked out of their tents in the morning and this white, substance was all over like the dew of the ground. It was all over the field. And, and when they saw it, the first response was manna or what is it? Uh, they had no idea. How many will ever wake up in the morning and you say, what is it? <laughs> in other words, what is going on? I mean, why? I mean, we were filled with questions so many times. It's manna. Well, we begin to realize, even though we have no clue how it's going to work out, God works it out. Oh, I could rehearse before you hundreds, literally hundreds of things that happened when I wasn't expecting it, when, when the checking account all of a sudden had more money in it than I thought it had in it. How did it get there? I am convinced, you can believe this or not, or call me a nut. I believe God many times deposited money in my account. <laughs> And saw me through. I don't know whether you believe that or not, but I, I've seen God do miraculous things. Why can't he do that? And then someone's saying, why doesn't he do it all the time then? <laughs> so I've seen God is faithful. So eating this manna for a long time. Forty years they've been eating this manna. Moses is gone. Joshua is about to take over. They're ready to fight their first fight, the Battle of Jericho. They moved over Jordan. Before they make that move on Jericho, something happens. God stops the manna. Not out of punishment, but out of preparation. They might have thought of punishment, that all of a sudden they don't have it. 
but it was out of preparation. You're about to walk into your promise, God said. I've got to stop the manna. You're about to move into what I promised some 500 years ago. I've got to stop the manna. In order to prepare you for where you are about to go, I need to stop the manna. Now you should have a question, why? And why now? Let me suggest a couple reasons. I'm going to bring them up here. You can write them down. A couple of reasons why the manna stopped. Number one, God wants to create a new desire in your heart. God wanted to do something new in their heart. I believe 2017 and beyond here, I believe in this ministry here, God is doing a new thing. He wants to do a new thing. He wants to do it in your heart. You see, that new desire, he he said, I've got to stop the manna because in order for you to move into the next place I have for you, I've got to put a new desire in your mouth. Something new in your mouth. I've got to cause you to want something different than what you've had. That's a good thing. God's going to stir your heart to want something different than what you've had before. Changing your diet is one of the hardest things you can do. Is that true? Sure it is. Changing your diet is one of the hardest things to do. Your diet, let me tell you, I'll give you a couple reasons why. Your diet is linked to your desires. Let that marinate a little bit. Your diet is linked to your desires. Your diet is an expression of what you hunger for. The reason I've got to change your diet, God is saying, is because I've got to change the desire of your heart. I, I want you to want something different than what you have become accustomed to. We're creatures of habit. Do you ever hear that before? We don't mind settling in to something we're accustomed to. Matter of fact, it's comfortable to us. Anyone comes along, tries to change that, we challenge them. Unfortunately, we even challenge God. He wants to do something new. He wants to stir the pot, so to speak. He wants to change your diet. He wants to put a new desire, a new hunger in your heart. Yeah, but what's wrong with what I have now? Everything seems to be going well. Now, this is the trouble that God had with the children of Israel all throughout their journey. You see, it was always tied to what they hungered for. Hear this. When they were tested, guess what? They wanted to go back to Egypt. When they were tested, you see, they wanted to go back to the garlic and onions. We don't want this water from a rock. We don't want this manna that comes down from heaven. Uh, We want what we had back in Egypt. We're accustomed to it. Did you forget the bondage? Did you forget the whip on your back? Did you forget your living conditions? Doesn't matter. I'm accustomed to it. I like it. It's my comfort area. So their diet was an expression of what they hungered for. The manna was what they needed just to get by. Hear this. The manna was what they needed just to get by. The question, do you want more than just enough? I didn't know it would get this quiet here. 
Do you want more? Look at this statement. I put it down on the board because I think it's so important. It says, what do you desire from God after, say after, you've gotten what you need from God? What do you desire from God after what you've gotten what you need from God? The man is what they needed to get by. But do you desire anything greater than just enough of your needs being met? Everybody wants God when they need God. That makes sense? When there's a need for God, when there's a crisis in your life, when it's right there at your front door, everybody wants God when there's a need for God. But to grow into the place of promise God's saying, I need you to hunger for more than just what you need. And I believe that's what God has the challenge for us for going forward. Groundbreaking needs to take place. The advancement is going to take place when we come to the place where our hunger goes beyond what we need. It takes us into another level of maturity, of not just crying out for our needs, or, or interested in our needs and seeing that the only reason we come to church. Okay, God, I'm here. It's your turn. You know, it's like you did something. Now it's God's turn to respond to it. No, but I hunger for God that takes me far beyond what I need from God. Does that make sense? That kind of hunger is a different kind of hunger to grow to that place. Question, do you have any desire for God when he has already met your needs? Do you desire holiness more than you have ever desired holiness? That's beyond your need. Do you desire a closeness with God, an intimate relationship of righteousness, a deeper thirst? You want to go deep into the well and you want to drink you want to see that as a priority in your life rather than more time to yourself or more conveniences that you surround yourself with. No, I want something that's more spiritual than that. Is your desire for God greater than your need for God? The man has got to stop <laughs> because I need to put a new desire in your mouth. Hopefully we'll stop coming to God when the Bills are overdue, or when the layoff, word of the layoff's coming down, and then we cry out to God. But once that's all taken care of, we're back to the same old, same old mundane walk with God, and there's no real hunger, no real growth that happens. Second reason why the manna had to stop, and this is an important one, as the first was God wants to put a new demand on your faith. How many know faith is important in our walk with God? The Bible tells us that without faith it's impossible to please God. It says the just shall live by faith both in the Old and the New Testament. So faith is an important thing. If faith is so important, it's the thing that moves mountains. It's the thing that moves God to respond. Who would not want deeper faith? Because if there's a deeper faith, you move into the deeper things of God, the more mature things of God. You move from the baby being fed the manna daily to something else. 
So you cannot go to new levels with God with the same faith you had yesterday. If you want to go to new levels with God, you're going to need a new demand on your faith, a stronger faith. Every new level which God requires, he requires a new level of faith in God. New level of faith. Are you ready for a new level of faith? Now, don't answer that, because that's dangerous territory. <laughs> Hope you realize what you God, I want a new level of faith. Okay, there's going to be a new demand on your faith that you already have, because that new demand will cause you to move to a new level of your faith if you respond to it correctly. So every new level with God requires a new level of faith in God. Faith is the key that unlocks the door. Faith is that key and the door for the next place that God has prepared for you. Think of a door. You don't know what's on the other side of that door. But faith is what takes you to open up the door and you are excited. Even though you don't know what's on the other side of that door, you're taking the challenge. I'll move into the new door of 2017 by faith. If you can only trust God at this level, that's the level you're going to stay at. And you will remain at until you move forward. Listen to this. God will never, never usher you into a place that is greater than your faith in who he is. What is your faith in who he is? Do you really know who he is? Do you really know him as the God who is faithful? There's no questioning in your mind. There's no complaining. There's no doubting. You're just at rest and at peace in the God that you know that is faithful in you. God's saying, I need to put a new demand on your faith. Because the faith you operated in with manna in the wilderness is not the kind of faith that is going to sustain you in the promised land. You need a new faith, a deeper faith. Now you're not going to eat manna, but you're going to eat fruit. So he stops the manna and he says, you're going to eat fruit. Let's talk about that for a moment. Here's the difference. Manna showed up in the morning. Every morning it showed up. Matter of fact, they were told, you're going to pick it that morning, but don't pick any more than what your needs are for that day. If you do, it'll work against you and turn to worms. We know that. Some people tried to keep more than that day. Listen, you, you had the kind of faith then where every morning you could trust God to be there. Fruit is going to require of you taking the seed and planting that seed in the ground. Now, this is a new level altogether. All, all, all they they're just going to wake up and it's going to be there. No, now they're going to have to wake up and go out and plant the seed. They're going to have to apply some work to it. You need a faith that knows how to work the seed. So God's maturing them to handle the ground that they are about to take. Move from a place where everything just shows up to a place of faith where you appreciate the gift of the seed. You've learned in your walk, I, I, God, I just appreciate the seed. I might have to work a little bit more. In other words, my faith mature enough to know the value of a seed. And I want to describe that in a moment. See, all I need is a seed, and then it's going to produce the fruit. If you know anything about the seed, it takes you to a new level and challenge and demand on your faith. Because with the seed, 
you got to work it. <laughs> you, you've got to get out. You've got to till the ground. You've got to break up the soil. You've got to plant that seed. You've got to water it. You've got to nurture it. You've got to surround it. You've got to protect it. And when it's challenged, you've got to be there and re- ready to fight the good fight of faith that anything that challenges that seed. Any thought, any doubt thought, any trick of the enemy that you're challenged that. And here's what else you need. Patience. Turned to someone and said, I knew he was going to get to that. Patience. Because one thing I've learned, I'm not a farmer, but I've learned everything from the Bible, what the Bible says about farmers. And one thing that I've learned about farmers from the Bible is that they need incredible patience. They are totally at, the, at the, 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 the leanings where they have to lean on God for the water from heaven, for the right kind of conditions. So it's faith and it's patience. A faith that knows how to wait. Knows how to wait. Now I'm getting to something here. Hopefully you're following tracking with me here. We move from manna that comes every day to do anything about it. Water for the rock that came every day, and now into, all right, we're going to work this thing. We've got to be involved. We've got to participate. And get, with God's leading, we're going to need patience. We're going to have to wait. The manna showed up every day. The seed is sown, and then you wait. In the wilderness, they were used to everything coming within a 24-hour window. That's what they were used to. Now... You need enough faith to endure what we would call the waiting season. Where were we on that? Now, I'm not going to take this much further today because this is something that you just got to digest. But where are we in 2017? Are we at the place where we have the kind of mature faith that endures the waiting season? Kind of faith that believes even when it doesn't show up, but the faith that knows it will show up. God, you didn't respond immediately to my prayer, but I have the kind of faith that, but I know you will. Okay, God, not happening right now, but I know you will. Okay, God, a couple months have passed by and it's getting pretty heavy, but I know you will. It's a kind of peace. It's a kind of maturity. It's a kind of walk that you have that you're not wavering like the sea. You're not being tossed about all the time. It's just you're calm. Why? Because you've moved to a level. God has put the demand on you. You've met that demand, and your faith is high enough to wait. To wait. My faith knows how to wait on God. You don't give up. You're not complaining while it's happening. You don't throw in the towel. But you have enough faith to know that God is doing something And that's okay with you. God, I know you're doing something. And that's okay. Your faith has to move to a level that you can endure, listen carefully, some no's in your life. Can you? How many know a child can endure a no? Come on. How many have you have children and you say no? It's just like everything falls apart. It's like you've taken their food away, you put them behind bars, and they're miserable. You just said no to that, and they can't handle it. It's a baby. It's a toddler. Where are you? 
in your faith? Baby faith? Toddler faith? Can't endure the noise? Throw a tantrum? Lay on the floor? Kick your feet? And all like that? And Seriously, though. Where are we in our faith? Can we endure? No. no. In other words, no. God said, no. Okay, move on from there. He says, no again, no. That's not what I have for you. Here's what I have for you. The no's that come. The faith, it's at a level where you're able to survive dry seasons in life. And that's what will happen when you're planning and working. Let me take this a little bit further about this seed. You see, here's how a seed works. And here's why it's better to have a seed than even the manna. You see, God gives you a seed and he wants you to plant it. Do you know what, do you know the the opportunities? Do Do you realize what can happen to a seed? A seed grows the fruit, which that fruit has inside of it many seeds. Now you have a lot of seeds to plant. And then if you plant it again, you have more seeds to plant. And before you know it, your life is this abundant out pouring of God's blessings over and over again if you know what to do with the seed. Faith, and a level that God wants to take us to, is we know, we have to know what to do with the faith. Let me explain what a seed can be. You know what a seed can be? A blessing from God. So God blesses you, and let me give it in a practical where we live level. God blesses you and, and, and allows you for someone. He gives you a home to live in, and, and you take that home. Now, you, you can look at it one or two ways. You can say, Lord, you can thank him and then move on. You say, God, you got the house, but now the house is because it's going to make you more comfortable. And it's going to, it's just kind of, you look at it in a very selfish approach to it, rather than saying, okay, God, you bless me with this house, how do you want me to use it? Come on. How do you want me to use it? Well, what do you mean, God? Will you open it up to your neighbors now to share your love? Will you open it up to maybe others that just invite them in, be hospitable to them, use it for the kingdom of God? Are you willing to take that blessing and see it as a seed. How about God, all of a sudden, there's a financial windfall. And unfortunately, we handle them this way. Lord, you've blessed me with this financial windfall. Oh, I could buy this new car. I could buy this. And then we could go on this better vacation. Not that God would deny you any of those if they're in the plan of God. But how about this? God, why did you give me this extra financial windfall? God might say, I want you to give it all away right now. Okay. Or really? <laughs> you know, that's tough. How many of you know changing your diet's tough? See, yeah, that's what happens. It's tough. It's working in you and you're wrestling. All right, so there's a wrestling, but wouldn't it be nice if we put before us a challenge, God, I want to move to a new level of faith in 2017. Lord, I, I, wanna, I want my life to flourish for the kingdom of God. And Lord, I want to see your blessings. I want to see the seeds. I want to know how to work the seed. I want to know how to work and use what you're doing in my life to, to further my walk with you in the kingdom of God. I want to look outside of my own box, God, and I want to see the advancement of the kingdom. I want to see souls won. I want to see this ministry go forward. Listen, I am 110% behind Pastor Jason and Cheryl as they come on in here and install next week. Why? Because I'm excited to see what's going to happen in this ministry. 
I, I have been blessed. We have been blessed. We've taken this journey together. Many of you have been loyal. We've seen God do great things. But we have yet the tip of the iceberg of what God really wants to do in this world. Jesus gave his life so that this world could be saved and changed. Are we willing to give up a blessing here and there and use it for his kingdom? A level of maturity that God wants to take us to. Would you stand with me, please? We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.